We live in a world of violence, war, magic, and the supernatural. I am here to bring you a glimmer of hope for tomorrow. This is the Voice of Hope podcast, and you can call me Beacon, your auditory guide to the safety of Castle Refuge. To all Tomorrow Legion teams in the field, your mission profile references are 9, 2, 3, 40, 5, Queen of Spades, 17, 11, 24, 24, 2, 3, 1, 1, 3, 6, 1, 6. To all Tomorrow Legion teams, refugees, and allies, we have provided critical information to aid you in your journey to Castle Refuge while avoiding unnecessary danger. However, the lands close to Castle Refuge are just as dangerous as those near the ruins of Tolkien. Unfortunately, for a lot of people who live in North America, far too many don the armor and insignia of the coalition states and embrace the steady diet of propaganda fed to them. They believe entirely in eradicating threats to humanity, including anyone who does not look quite right to them and anyone who dares meddle with the demon forces of magic. The CS military encourages this thinking, offering commendations, medals, and bonuses to those who show the proper enthusiasm for their work. Fort El Dorado is the most recent addition to the Coalition, and, as I have been recently reminded, there is no zealot like a convert. Soldiers coming out of that region are among the most die-hard, anti-DB, and anti-magic zealots in the Empire. They have something to prove to the rest of the Coalition, and they intend to do so covered in the blood of everyone and anything that doesn't fit what they see as right and proper in the Arkansas region. This will eventually lead the Tomorrow Legion and Fort El Dorado on a collision course. However, El Dorado was not always this way. For the longest time, Fort El Dorado had the intention of remaining a free and independent nation. That all changed with the Juicer Uprising and the deception of Ultratech Incorporated, or UTI. In March of 105PA, Fort El Dorado thought the world was its oyster. A few years earlier, Newtown, one of their northern trading partners, grew in prominence and asked Fort El Dorado for an introduction to the coalition states. Newtown was quickly accepted into the coalition, and in exchange, UTI arranged to upgrade Fort El Dorado's industrial production, including providing the city with the continent's most advanced juicer facility. These improvements helped Fort El Dorado grow in wealth and population. King Randall III politely turned down another offer from the CS to become an official member and planned for further expansion and domination of Arkansas. Then, the Juicer Uprising brought Fort El Dorado crashing down. The oil and natural gas fields survived without too much damage, but the city-state was besieged by angry juicers and ravaged by rioters. Fort El Dorado had been tricked, used by UTI, which turned out to be the front for aliens paving the way for the conquest of North America. If not for the Juicer Uprising, the Valaic's aliens plot to create a mind-controlled army of juicers would have never been uncovered. Not only did half of Fort El Dorado lay in ruin, but they were the dupes of an alien invader. It was a mortifying experience and a wake-up call. Being tricked by aliens showed the leaders of Fort El Dorado they had been a little too cocksure of themselves, and in their arrogance almost lost everything they held dear. The carnage inflicted by the juicers demonstrated the insufficiencies of their defenses, and it illustrated the advantages of joining the coalition. Only now, the CS wasn't interested. It blamed Fort El Dorado for the entire incident, because the leaders of El Dorado vouched for Newtown and UTI. 
Rejected by the CS and more paranoid than ever, the people of Fort El Dorado turned to rebuilding their community to be bigger than ever and spent incredible amounts of money and time lobbying the coalition to reconsider them for membership. As incentive, they reduced the purchase price of their natural resources, promised to follow coalition laws and protocols to the letter, and began to get rid of their DB citizens. Fort El Dorado launched a ruthless campaign against non-humans in Arkansas. Hundreds of DBs, including former El Dorado citizens, were slaughtered, and thousands fled to Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, the Magic Zone, and Castle Refuge. Their efforts did not stop there. Fort El Dorado regularly sponsors raids into the Magic Zone and the Pecos Empire. Additionally, they offered to send troops to the Tolkien Warfront and to support the CS in any way they could. The campaign worked, and Fort El Dorado was accepted as the Coalition State of El Dorado, claiming all of Arkansas for the Coalition. While they control the southern portion of the state, El Dorado has a small outpost in the ruins of Newtown. As part of their campaign to join the CS, El Dorado raised the remains of the city, destroyed the aliens' underground lairs, and built Fort Jericho on the remains. The area Fort Jericho patrols and that the Tomorrow Legion supports are dangerously close and could lead to an unprovoked confrontation. Luckily, not everyone in Fort El Dorado has succumbed to the city-state's rabid drive to please the Emperor Prosek. Lieutenant Colonel James Mason is the commander of Fort Jericho, which houses the 55th Reconnaissance Battalion. The battalion comprises mostly of infantry and dogboys used to patrol the forests around the ruins of Fort Smith. It does include an armored company which has most of the robot armor APCs and tanks, and a company of Skelebots. Air support for the battalion is supplied by a company of Samuses and Skycycles. However, most of the units are equipped with older CS equipment. Intel suggests that Lieutenant Colonel Mason is not a Coalition fanatic, but a longtime El Dorado citizen and former headhunter who served the King prior to the Juicer Uprising. It is believed that he may have leaked the information about the DB roundups to El Dorado Broadcast Radio prior to the killings beginning. Intel has corroborated that Lieutenant Colonel Mason is aware of the Tomorrow Legion and Castle Refuge, but does his best to minimize contact between our two forces. Most of his forces are arrayed along the Arkansas-Oklahoma border, or securing the few leyline nexuses that are near Fort Jericho. However, there have been some rumors of some young upstart officers being transferred to Fort Jericho recently. Hopefully this will not lead to any conflict. After my interview with Counselor Comstock, he confided in me a desire to acknowledge the good works that the Tomorrow Legion was doing for the world. After that broadcast, our resident historian, Jasper Burgess, came to me with a suggestion. In the past, warriors had a special way to say goodbye to their fallen. Some was a simple salute. Some raised a shot of whiskey, said here's a toast, and shattered the glass on the ground. Jasper suggested a tradition I would like to start today. This is Legionnaire's last call. We were recently contacted by a team returning from the field and told about their team cyborg by the name of John Doe. The team had been sent to investigate an unknown illness that was sweeping through two neighboring towns. One town was predominantly human settlement of Laramie, the other mostly DBs and mages called the town of Temperance. Both of these towns were near Wyken in southern Missouri, which is not known to be helpful to strangers. Our intel suggested that Laramie was the most in need because they were not very technologically advanced nor did they have magic, so the team was short on time and resources and decided to go there. 
Well, according to his team, John was not great with healing, and since he was a cyborg who was immune to sickness anyway, he decided to take a hover cycle and head to Temperance, just to provide any additional information about what was happening. Unfortunately, John's internal navigation system was not working correctly, and he ended up crossing through Wyken territory and was attacked for his trespass. Fleeing from his aggressors, his hover cycle was destroyed, and suffering repeated strafing runs of railguns and mini-missiles, John crawled into Temperance, his life support system, on the verge of failure. The town's doctor, Dr. Reinhold, stopped working on the sick to give aid to John, telling John that the situation here was worse than reported, and that the local's healing magic was ineffective against the illness, and that his skills and medical supplies were running out as well. As his life support system was about to deploy its last surge of his nano repair system, John overrode it and directed the doctor to use the medical array and his internal fusion battery to create a healing machine to help the people of Temperance. The doctor knew that this would kill the cyborg, but recognized his sacrifice would save the people who were sick. John Doe, posthumously promoted to sergeant, gave his life to save dozens of people in the town of Temperance, while his team was able to find a cure for the sickness in Laramie. A small memorial has been built in Temperance's local tavern, and they have a drink dedicated to the cyborg called The John, a strong apple whiskey with a drop of motor oil. So to all legionnaires, raise a glass. If you're in Temperance, raise a John. This is the last call of a legionnaire dedicated to John Doe. Justice my weapon, hope my shield, my life's blood blazing upon distant fields. Do not bow your heads in sorrow, for now... I am tomorrow. Stay safe, move surely, and look out for your fellow refugees. Do not lose hope. I, Beacon, will guide you to your new tomorrow. Speak to you again soon. This episode, including the number line, was created as an adventure aid for the adventure No Zealot Like a Convert by Sean Patrick Fannin, published in the Savage Foes of North America. I would like to thank Father Morpheus and his player, Darren Starwing, for their contribution to the First Legionnaire's Last Call. If you'd like to send in a refugee question, a mission report, or want to submit to a Legionnaire's Last Call, please contact me at voiceofhopepodcast at gmail.com. The Savage Rifter, Episode 11, has been posted. In this episode, Victor and Gary speak in depth about the mystic, iconic framework. Information for this script quotes from The Adventurer, Nozelle Like a Convert, and Riff's Aftermath. The Voice of Hope podcast is a Savage Rifts fan podcast. Savage Worlds and Deadlands are copyrighted 2016 and trademarked to Pentagon Entertainment Group, all rights reserved. Rifts and the Megaverse are registered trademarks of Palladium Books.